Blog Talk Radio. Hello, world. It's February 4th, 2022. Welcome, for, for, welcome to another fabulous episode of Fright Talk. And I am Billy B.J. Jones, and I am here with my brother from another mother. Nadim Taps. <laughs> and we're the Fright Talk guys, and we're delighted to have you back here for this live podcast. If any time you'd like to chat with us during the show, the options are as follows. 347-539-5372. That's our call-in line. Again, 347-539-5372. And if you prefer to inbox us with your questions, comments, or requests, you're welcome to do so at Fright Talk Guys on Instagram. You can hit Nadim up on Ntabsh, N-T-A-B-S-C-H on Instagram. Look him up. And as well as I have my email options, options open here, too, on Fright Talk, Everyday Folks Listen at gmail.com. For Fright Talk Guys, we've got an email there, too. You can try that one at FrightTalkGuys at gmail.com. Nadim, I have to tell you, getting to this Friday has been a mission, almost like it's its own <laughs> horror film. Yes, it has. Do you agree? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's been a long week, my friend. It, it has, but we're here, and we live for the moment, and we know that we got some awesome listeners out here who can't wait to hear from us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that we uh, have been getting a lot of questions in on today's topic. It appears to be a very popular topic, so we've gotten quite a bit of questions in, and I'm, I'm just really excited to, uh, to be back to start. We start off the new year off right you know, coming into the show. So um, I'm appreciative, to, of course, all of our fans, all of our listeners, and thank you so much for your comments and your DMs. We really, really appreciate that. And tonight, folks, we are delighted to bring you Fright Talk, Black film directors, writers, and producers. In the spirit of Black History Month, we thought we want to pay tribute to some incredible creatives who paved the way for many, not just within one culture set group, but across all humankind. And our bio reads as follows. From the release of Blackula to the hit movie Us, Black film directors, writers, and producers have been creating pulp classics for generations to enjoy. In the spirit of Black History Month, the Fright Talk guys, we want to discuss classic and contemporary Black horror films and the incredible people who created them. And you know, Nadine, for the past actually 40, almost 50 years now, 50 years to be exact, including the 70s, you know, black horror films have begun to garner their 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 interest, and honestly, folks, you got to keep in mind this too. What we see today, we're now beginning to recognize the, the diversity of of folks behind the scenes and in front of the camera, 
But it's safe to say there are some who've walked the path well before the ones we know today. And not just only as the directors and writers and producers, also some of the, the, the amazing actors as well who've, who've also given us some memorable, if not unforgettable moments. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of that, Billy, I think that there's a lot of actors, directors, and even voice actors that have gone unnoticed or that are black and that are not mentioned, right? So they just don't get the, the recognition that they deserve. Um, and there's so many, and we're going to talk about a few of them in the show. And, and you know, we all know the, there's a, the popular thing is what do they say about horror movies, Billy? What, what happens to the black actors in horror movies? What, what do they always say? He doesn't make it to the end, brother. <laughs> he doesn't make it to the end. The first one to die, that's what they say. And you know what? In a lot of horror movies, that's actually true. That is actually the case. I think of a famous horror movie with L. Cool J. He yeah. dies first. Um, yeah. oh, I, can't for, I can't remember the name now. Are you talking but, about the, is it Halloween? Eight, was, was it Halloween, Halloween? H2O? No, was it, was it the, the, the Oh, Is it Horizon? The shark movie? It's like a, it was like a, it was water or abyss or yes, something like yes, that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I want to say Event Horizon, but I could be wrong. Okay. So yes, and, and definitely there, there's so the, the truth is that there's so many good actors and directors, and who are black who are from all walks of life, and they just don't get the credit that they deserve. So what better way to celebrate them than dedicating a show to them, to let them know that. Um, they are not forgotten. And this goes well beyond, like you said, Billy, this isn't, I mean, this is the nineties, eighties. I mean, you can go back and you can think of some very prominent uh, individuals that were overlooked in a lot of films. And when I say overlooked, I mean, they didn't get the recognition for doing right. the things they did. And I, that's, it's a great place to start actually, Nadim. One of the classic pulp classics from the 1970s was Blackula. Blackula, now, I've seen yes. this movie. It's, and I'm, I'm sure you may have at least seen it as well or clips of it. Yeah, yeah. Folks, you have to also understand, we have, when, we, when, we, when we go back in the time, when we do throwbacks, we have to pay respect to the time in which it was developed, technology, the things and the resources that we have today were not right. the same. Also, this was also, in its comparison to like Halloween and other movies that came out in the latter part of the 70s, it right. also was more low budget, so which gave it more of a comedic aspect in some aspects. But, you know, William Crane, kudos to him for creating a, 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 a path for so many other black film creators to create horror. Because I, I, I want to say this, Nadine, which is very interesting. And you, can, and you as well, as a person of color, can recognize this. We color folks are very spiritual <laughs> and mm-hmm. cultural, culturally right. spiritual. So right. the moment you mention things like ghosts, monsters, Ouija boards, people freak out. Okay, and so I can understand, and also religion plays a vital role in in, yes, in, in the black community, in the Latin yes. X community, et cetera. So that only reinforces looking at stuff like this is sinful, it's bad, it's demonic, right? And yeah. so when Blackula came out, it was also received in that regard. People thought it was just low budget foolery. The guy was laughed at. People couldn't get scared. But it was, at, this, at that particular time, one of the best because it was rare for someone of color to have the stage 
and to have a main character as well, not only a director, right. but you also had a main character that was also the same culture. So that opened the door for so many opportunities, but it took some time to cement that. And I don't think it's because I, besides the fact of opportunities and folks closing doors and others, but I also feel it's also cultural, you know, folks who are, I would say, being African descent, some folks, and I have friends now, one of my cousins on my chat line said to me today, oh, cuz, sorry, this one's not my topic, it's not my cup of tea. I get <laughs> it. I see a lot of folks stay quiet when I post things sometimes who I know dearly because horror is not their cup of tea. I, we get it. So I also wonder how much of what I already said plays into that. Yeah. And, and you know, Blackula is an excellent example. Think of this for a minute. Think of how how much... I mean, whenever you're developing any type of artistry, mm-hmm. you know that as an artist, you're putting yourself out there. And they put themselves out there at a time that they knew that there was going to be, I'm not going to say backlash because I don't think there was backlash, but a, harsh critics of the film, of the actors. And I mean, because it, it falls under that, they believed it fell under that black exploitation type mm-hmm. of film. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when when they're just kind of lumping into that one category, they're kind of losing how difficult it is to to do a film like that at the time that they did it. And like you said, there's no special effects to to kind of like clean it up or nothing like that for a lot of those films in the 70s. And not just Blackula, but a lot of films in the 70s. You, you go watch some films in the 80s, and it's just uh, the technology just isn't there. But I think it took a lot to do that. I, 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 I think it took a lot That's of true. courage to put themselves out there to do that. Yeah. It, it, that movie, it's a good point. That movie, Nadine, it, it featured, <laughs> it was a black vampire couple. <laughs> and I'm laughing because it, you know, when I look back on it, I'm like, wow, a black vampire couple. And the exploitation idea, if you look at the title, you're spot on with that black and and folks, we're we're talking post civil rights here, a revolving America, oh, yeah. looking at a neo a neo, um, a neo um, culturalism, uh, a melting pot. America was still trying to get it right with this new wave of what it meant to be an American, right? And so I get why that that naming had to be that way. But then it's funny because I look at that, and then I look at where Peel is today, where great mm-hmm. classics like like us. Uh, you know, or get out, and yeah. it's totally different. It's just a totally different yeah. world. And he made a comment in one of his interviews. He said, "I want to thank um, Crane for what he did in his film and all the things that he did for opening the door." Because I think there were a few others that tried to do it, and it wasn't as widely received. What, it, there was a constant like, "What are you doing here?" Uh, Boys in the hood. I mean, Tales from the Hood got the same um, slap. Oh, Tales um, from the hood. Yeah. yeah, the Tales from the Hood got. In 1995, I think it went came out. It had such bad reviews, bad, bad reviews. People thought it was ridiculous. I remember going to the movie theater watching it, and people were laughing loud. And I, you know, I I was laughing too because I was like, oh, this is going to be funny. Maybe this is going to be like a, a comedy spoof or things of that nature. But when I watch it today, I'm like, wait a minute, this wasn't really funny. There were some real societal issues that were being yes. given yes. in the storyline yes. as well. Right. And you know, Billy, I'm gonna say this. You want to know what one of my uh, one of my favorite. So there's uh, two black actors that are not mm-hmm. given credit, and they had a role in some what I think is a major horror 
First of all, Keith David voiced the Spawn character for Todd McFarlane, who, and he's a fantastic artist, and he's mm-hmm. just completely uh, underwritten that part. And then um, was it Michael J. White, I believe, yeah. did the, uh, he actually played Spawn in the yeah. film as well. And these are both very talented black actors. And I know the, the Spawn movie wasn't well-received, but the Spawn animated series holds up to date. It is phenomenal, and I, yep. I, it, and it's those kind of stories of uh, people that go unnoticed. You know what I'm saying? Like they go unnoticed, and even though they had significant roles in horror, or at the very least, participated in horror. The Spawn movie itself does it fall into horror? Eh. But the Spawn series absolutely does because it's very dark. It, what's your take, Nadim, on comedy in that aspect meaning if i (laughs) i find that even in the horror movies even a slasher there's going to be some comedic uh, 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 appraisal of the black character you know when i look at the trope right and even if he doesn't or she doesn't make it to the end per se and i always wonder if can we do this without the comedy yes we can make people laugh in terms of we meaning people in general, we can make people laugh and enjoy them, but is it doing too much? There are many stories, and we've covered them here, movies at least, or books, where we talked about comedy and its role in those storylines, and there are some spaces where it's okay. I'm always wondering in, in black horror films, and I should even call it that because we're living in a time of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're trying to break those silos, right? Yeah. But when I look at that, I can't I always wonder, is that also reinforcing the stereotype? you know, the exploitation that to be the Sambo or the comedic on stage, is it really horror, you know? Right. And, you know, okay, so so let me me throw this one out. Mm -hmm. He co-directed Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. And it's very difficult for people to see somebody who played a comedian now play uh, uh, a horror character. However... Him as one of the co-directors, and I'm not sure if he produced it as well, mm-hmm. he could have limited the amount of comedy he put that in, in himself, right, in that film. And so having said that, uh, an actor like Eddie Murphy, if he wanted to take himself more seriously, he could just do the horror of the vampire in Brooklyn and not add the comedy aspect. Because what did he do? He had Kadeem Hart, uh, Harrison in there. Yes, he did. Kadeem, am I saying that correctly? Yep. Kadeem, is Harrison yep. the last name? Yep. No, Kadeem. Kadeem Harrison from A Different World. He was in there too, and he kind of like played his lackey fool, and and I think he didn't need that. He could have just yeah. if he would have gone full on horror, I think that movie would have been very successful. I know the critics ripped it apart. Well, you know, if we think of film, we can also think of music videos. You know, a pop classic is Thriller, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson right. was an avid um, supporter and and fan of horror. He loved scary yeah. movies. Yeah. And to this day, the Thriller video, I got more scared out of Thriller than I did Blackula and um, um, The Vampire in Brooklyn combined. And I get it, folks. We're not criticizing those movies here. What we're saying here is that what Michael Jackson did worked. He played into the tropes of, of horror that were emanating during the 80s, but elevated to the next level. He, he brought it over to music. And now when I watch other, he, what a great director, he, he co-directed behind the scenes this. And when I look back on it and I watch more modern artists such as Taylor Smith, Smith uh, Taylor Swift, 
in one of her videos, What You Made Me Do, she comes out of a grave. She's a zombie, you know. Right, She's right. paying homage to that. Um, and, and there are others as well who played into that as well, the, the scary, you know, the dark side of horror in their films. And even though she did it with a little bit of comic, comedic relief as well, she was sending a powerful message, right? Just like Michael Jackson said in the time he was making the movie, he said, there's a monster in all of us sometimes. And how cool was it for him to team up and get, you get Vincent Price on your record? Who oh, did, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that entire lines of that, 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 that bridge in that song, it's like the darkness falls across the land, the midnight hour is close at hand. I'm like, this is so cool. Phenomenal, so, yeah. Yeah, it's so like good directorship there, not only in film, but also music videos, which count as film as well. Right. And, and I think that, and, and I want for the folks listening, this is not, so this episode is not, is dedicated to uh, black film writers, entertainers, and a- actors in horror. And this is not to be like they were kept down for years. No, this is to say that a lot of black actors, writers, and directors ventured into horror in an otherwise space that they would have not ventured into. And a lot of them have been very successful in doing so, especially the actors, especially the writers. And a lot of times there's a lot of horror movies that have black writers and they don't, I'm not, a lot of the times writers in general movies don't get the recognition they deserve. But I think yeah. that if people started looking up, they would realize there's a lot more black writers of horror movies than they actually realize. Mm. That's a very good point. You know, I, re- I was reading Insider website, and they said that in 1995, the HBO classic, remember when HBO released um, the Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight? It was oh, released on that, that time. It was actually directed by a black director, actually. Um, who released it. It was the first of its kind on the HBO franchise. And his name was Ernest Dickerson. And so I, I'm, I'm hearing these stories. It's so funny because now, I mean, I've watched these things and enjoyed on Shudder and all that. And here I am today only learning at these things. 30 years later, right. I'm hearing of the greatness of that and the demons, right? You know, representation matters. And hopefully we get to break these silos and get everybody in every space. So no longer we'll be looking at color and race. We'll be just looking at and appreciate, appreciating the art that it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole fact that it's that joke that the black person dies first in a horror movie, the 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 point that it's that's even out there is ridiculous in itself. Like it should never be at that point. You understand what I'm saying? That's true. It is true. When we did back in December, I think it was in October, September, October, we did something for his, uh, Hispanic Heritage, and I think we talked about was it? Will we talk about La Llorona? I wonder if it was last year before. And we brought in the whole idea of the whole idea of what La, 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 La Llorona was and how the trope of the Latinx representation in the films as well, that shtick is also played up. I'm loving the fact that the Mesa brothers and Peel and others are coming forward and say, you know what, enough of that. We're going to give you something good and we're going to scare the crap out of you. Like yeah. Peel right now is about to do something really big. Have you seen his latest movie release? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new trailer that's coming out. What, what he's doing and, and, and people are beginning to realize this, is that Peel is playing off of this idea of one-worded movies. And now what's happening, it's a great marketing gimmick because if you start putting together the movies, it's like, get us out, get us out now, others. Like someone spelled it out on social media the other day because his next movie, I believe it's called Other. And all you see is, this, I think it's called Other. It's this dark cloud in the sky. And there's a lightning bolt striking. Okay, what does that mean? 
It's like, what is this about? Right, right. And there's a house. There's right. a house. That's all you get. And it's coming out later this year. And so I'm beginning to wonder, I know that his thing is, his stick is the, the psychological thrillers that are there. Maybe is he now about to dabble into the darker side of supernatural? Because we really haven't seen that yet. Right. You know, that, you know when we look at us, us, it's more psychological, right? I feel yeah. than it was, you know, supernatural. Maybe he's about to go there, and 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 we're and we're ready. We're so ready. Yeah, and and also, you know, I'm I'm interested in that supernatural component, like you said. I really am, and I feel a lot of times directors in general have to kind of put things out and get comfortable in their own genre that they're venturing into. Because remember, he started with comedy. And he's venturing into horror. And to be mm. honest with you, the horror movies he's produced have been great. That his creative has been great so far. They really, they really have. Mm. So, so he kind of did that that switch pretty seamlessly. To be honest with you, it's true. In fact, why is it that when we think of it, oh, it's Peel, people get excited. It's like Santa Claus, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, it's Peel. Peel's making that new movie. And and and. If Eddie, unfortunately, Eddie Murphy didn't get that. In fact, people were like, what are you doing? Because you're the funny guy. We need you back on doing – you need to stay over here in this, this category. Yes. So I like the fact that Peel – I think also, too, social media plays a vital role. It gives more exposure and gets folks better range. And if you get the right formula right, you can land it and you can cross over, just like artists do, you know, from rappers to actors. There's a possibility yeah. for everything. <laughs> Folks, we know that we're into this show. We're having so much fun, and I'm having fun with Adine because we're having we just we do what we do. If you want to talk to us at any time, you can call us at three four seven five three nine five three seven two. Again, that's three four seven five three nine five three seven two. And you can inbox us your options for for questions, comments, or requests. Your options are on Fright Talk Guys on Instagram, N T A B S C H on Instagram. And I got everyday folks listen at gmail.com open if you want to send me something there, too. We'll go ahead and tackle some of these awesome questions. All right. We got one from, and she writes to us all the time, Scary Girl 666 And I know I've told you before, but I love your name. She <laughs> says, let's remake Tales from the Hood. Who's your cast and why? I'm going to let you go first on this one, Billy. Who's your cast well, and Tales from the Hood if you had to remake it? All right. So the funeral director... Um, oh, maybe, maybe, uh, what's it? Oh my God, what's his name? Not Samuel Jackson, but the other one. He's much older now. Morgan Freeman. I'm wondering if okay. Morgan Freeman can do it because he's older and he kind of resembles the gentleman who played it before. Definitely okay. put Nadim in there. Nadim's going to be in the movie too, okay? So <laughs> he's going to be one of the cast. I also, I don't, I'll tell you who. It's hard because I'm still I'm losing names of people who are popular today who are younger. So I always right. revert resort back or revert back to my own generation, our generation. So if I had to use someone today, not in this order, not Kevin Hart. <laughs> Kevin maybe Hart, there's Snoop no Dogg, way I can see Kevin Hart. Maybe before. Snoop Dogg, I will say, bring Snoop Dogg in because he was fun and bones back in the day. Um, bring Snoop Dogg. I would say bring in some other dark characters. Um, maybe we can get a little bit of a. I know you don't don't eat me on this one. I would I hate me on this one. What do you feel about Jason Momoa in there? Because that would bring the hype. I know that he's more Marvel, <laughs> but he know. could bring. He's but listen, he's big and huge. I don't know if I want to stand by him. He freaks me out. I don't want him looking at me. So 
he has that ability. If we could make him look more savage, maybe that could work, right? That could be a nice crossover because he's doing all these little cameos here and there and everything from Lil Nas' video to freaking Aquaman. Right. So, um, and I can't think of others. Well, who's yours, Nadine? Who, I want, who would you say yours? I want Denzel as my funeral director, but I want him like fences Denzel, like grizzled, a little older, a little mm. beaten down. Uh, I wouldn't mind some Michael B. Jordan in there either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Trejo, gotta have Danny Trejo in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? And I want Teach Marin for good measure. <gasps> yes, I want Teach Marin to be there. In there. Yes. yes, yes, for good measure. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember him and Dust Till Dawn. I love that movie, yes. by the way. And it, I remember him so well. It, it, he just did such a great job in that role. And you got to think about it. Because he brought the comment relief and, you know, he made that P word comment on the steps. I'll never forget that. But what I, and and, and Clooney, Clooney, great job. That was my first time under, honestly, knowing who he was. I had no idea who George Clooney was before that until I saw that movie. And so I I feel today, though, if we're going to do, because there are different little vignettes and stories and tales from the hood, we definitely need to have some nice folks. I know we're going to have to get someone young. And you know who I'm going to put in there? I know this sounds crazy. Put Lil Nas. I would say put him in there. Really? Let's see what he could do. That would be funny. Listen, I'm willing to watch it. I'm willing to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Good question, Scary Girl 666. Thank you so much. That was really good. All right, Adim, I got one for you. Crystal did ask earlier. It says, wasn't Blackula remade with Eddie Murphy? I thought he was a vampire. Ah, so Crystal, thank you for your question, but no, Eddie Murphy was not in Blackula. Um, Eddie Murphy in the early 90s, I believe, did a movie that was called Vampire in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And in Vampire in Brooklyn, I I can't, I mean, that's literally the premise of the movie. He does take on like a a ghoul who I think is kind of zombie because I think Kadeem Hardison's like body starts falling apart or something in the film. Um, So no, he was not in Blackula. He was in a vampire in Brooklyn, and to be honest with you, I don't. I think that was that one and done horror for Eddie Murphy. I do not believe he did anything else after that horror related. Uh, but he was definitely wasn't in, in Blackula, and also Crystal the timeline. Because Blackula was in the seventies, and mm. Eddie Murphy, he would have been too young to be in that role. He didn't start doing Beverly Hills Cops till the eighties. But thank you for your question. Awesome. Thank you so much for your question. We appreciate it. And in reference to would I recommend Vampire in Brooklyn? Probably not. But if you've never seen it and you watch it as a comedy, it could be okay. If you're watching that as a comedy and not to get scared. So if you're if you're going in expecting a comedy, you'll get a comedy. If you're going in expecting a horror movie, you may be disappointed. And and Nadim, I, I wanted to ask you a question because you just triggered something. But I just came across I did a quick search. The new movie by Peel that's being released July 22nd, 2022. It's called Nope, N-O-P-E. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. These words, these won't. Others. I mean, get Out was two. Uh, he was didn't do Others, but one? Get Out, Us, and now Nope. Didn't he do a film called Mama? I don't think he did direct it, Mama, but I could be wrong. Uh, that's a good question. I don't think Mama was in the lineup for that one. I know Get Out was... Um, right. Jump was, I'm looking at a couple, there were some other little ones he had here and there, but no, not Mama. Mama wasn't there, no. although it would make you think, right? 
Right, because um, it was in a similar style. Yeah, and yeah. you had Octavia there, the actress. Yeah, uh-huh. that is true. Yeah. Now I'm remembering that. Yeah. So here's something else, though. When we look at Ghostbusters, yes. I, at first, when I was seeing these remakes of Ghostbusters, I'm going to be honest, I was like, oh, boy. I wasn't a fan of the original franchise. Let me say that. Right. But you know what? These new remakes are pretty cool, Nadine. There's some nice little twists in there. like, And, and folks, that's for another show, but... I'm saying that only because if we do get some new remakes, I think the new generation of directors and producers are really giving us a new storyline while also paying respect to the storyline before. And that's exactly what's happening here. There's a lineage story. There's a history. There's a gene- genealogy of their, their, their fighting ghosts or a prequel to it or a life after one passes because one of their actors did pass. So it's really cool to see their, them using that as a backdrop and, fueling the storylines for for Ghostbusters. So if we do go there, let's try it. Like we saw in Candyman. We talked about Candyman before. Yes. And so, yes. you know, so that was different. What we got there kind of made sense. You know, it, it makes sense in the end, but at first I wasn't understanding what I was experiencing. Right. Right. All right. Let's see here. We've got a lot of questions to choose from. You know what? Let's go here back to tell, uh, Tales from the Hood. This is from Jackson. He says, Tales from the Hood is my movie. I remember watching this and thinking, holy crap, what's your take on the film, Billy? I know you briefly mentioned it um, earlier. but I, I liked it. I, in brief, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I saw it at the movie theater, at the South Day Movie Theater in Miami, which no longer exists, and now is a, DS, a DSW for shoes, okay? And oh, wow. I have to tell you, it was a great – I thought it was fun – I was hoping I, I was a little more scared about it because I was in early twenties. I was barely like wet twenty one at the time, <laughs> but I remember watching it and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I'm seeing some representation of me, but I didn't walk out of there feeling like, wow, oh wow, I want to see it again. It was only until at least almost two decades later that I set eyes on it again, honestly. Right. And I appreciate it today more than I did then. I know it was a big deal when I was younger and it came out. I did see it. I don't remember much of it. However, I am going to say this. It was a big deal when I was younger, and that film hit. It was like, ooh, Tales from the Hood. And it also hit close to home if you lived in the hood. But um, I'm also going to say that there was not one, but two sequels that came out. A total of three movies. There's Tales from the Hood 1, 2, and 3. And I did not see the third one, by the way. I, did see I haven't Tales seen the third one. one either. I did not see the third one. But... Yeah, I mean, at the time it came out, it was very exciting. I, to be honest with you, Jackson, I can't remember the film, but I'm, I, I should most definitely rewatch it. I don't know about the, the two and the three, though. I feel like sometimes a film could kind of lose itself the more sequels that there are of it. I will say one more thing about that, Jackson. I will say this. There, was, there were social justice issues that were embedded in the fabric of the story. So one of the stories in there, there was a gentleman who – was a, a mayor, but he was the descendant of a family of overseers, and he lived in a plantation. And all yeah. of a sudden, these little wooden characters, remember Nadine, they were little yes, wooden yes. making anything that he called them, and he would call them all kind of little N-words. And it was almost like the puppet master meets whatever. And they came to life, and they attacked him from the picture, and they drew him into the picture. Sorry, folks, there's a spoiler. I thought that was super yeah. cool because it was like the ghost of the slaves came back to get him and reclaim, you know, reclaim, they couldn't get to their descendants before, but they came back to get this guy who was a modern day racist. I thought it was right. super cool. 
And then the idea about hanging out at funeral homes, what better way than to have the main person who's the crib keeper is the director of a funeral home turned demon. So I thought that was pretty cool as well because that, you know, that just played into it nicely. I agree. And you know what? So I'm going to throw a movie out here. So we're talking about Tales from the Hood. This is a movie from the 90s, and it was a Wes Craven film. Okay, and I saw this in the movie theaters, and I'm bringing it up because uh, the star of it was a young black actor. Uh, his name was Brandon Quinton. I had to look him up because I didn't remember mm, his name. Okay, okay. Bill Cobbs was in it as well. Okay. And uh, Vin Raines. Vin Raines was in it as well. The People Under the Stairs. <gasps> Do you remember the people under the stairs film? That movie was great. Great, yes. great, great movie. Yes. Great movie. Was it late 80s? 91. 91, okay. Early 91. 90s. Okay. That was a great movie. And I remember there were those kids. There were several kids yes. in there. Right. And they, you know, they actually helped the storyline. I thought it was right. a nice re- throwback to Goonies meets something else. <laughs> it was super yeah. cool, but it had a really dark storyline and it made sense. And it was almost sinister because it makes you think, oh my God, people could really be kept like that and in a basement and kept at their yes, the walls. human trafficking. Yes. yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Great so, job. I that that was a throwback one. from uh, Tales from the Hood. <laughs> Folks, we're half hour in, by the way. I just realized the time. Thank you for listening. Continue those questions if as appropriate. 347-539-5372 is the call in line. We got a few comments coming and continue that we're going to get in that we got in earlier. So we're going to get to them. But everyday folks listen at gmail.com. Fright, that's an email address. And, um, and you can also go on Fright Talk Guys at G- on Instagram and as well as in tabs on Instagram too. And we do have a lot of questions that we've just been carrying on and haven't gotten to. Okay. <laughs> we're just so happy to be here. <laughs> we're just so happy to be here. Um, all right. So, ah, okay, let's go with Abraham. Abraham says, the 90s black horror films seem to focus on social issues. Billy, you mentioned this earlier. Do you think that this is the case of modern movies like Candyman Remake? Yes. Oh, 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 oh my gosh. Have you seen it yet, Nadine? I have not seen it, so I can't comment. I can tell you. I I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll just say this. It has an excellent – okay. Is it like, oh, wow, this amazing movie that's going to move me? Because I was expecting – I personally felt the original Candyman wasn't as scary. I didn't didn't like the storyline. But this one does. He was attacking folks who had been wronged by social justice – like by social justice issues, like related issues. So he was only – killing those if that makes any sense so that actually now and i'm thinking about it yes it seems like maybe that is the gateway in again because okay. like peel is doing much the same as this movie did with Candyman, to talk about societal issues or societal challenges or concerns that plague the black community that are often talked about so if you're not going to talk about it maybe we'll put it in put it right in broad daylight and horror because horror does allow us to reveal our inner feelings and truths about the things that scare us. So I yeah. now that I think about it, Abraham, I, you're absolutely right. Candyman actually did play into that, which others have done as well. Yeah, and I agree. And I do. I did not see the remake. I did see the original Candyman. Um, so I can't speak to the modern movies, but I, I will tell you that I do feel that '90s uh, black horror films did 
were relevant to bringing up social issues. Mm-hmm. I believe that they were. I'm not saying that it was, the whole film was based on it. Of course it wasn't. But did they do a good job bringing it up? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the people under the stairs, and that's an excellent, excellent example. Because in that movie, they wanted to kidnap this younger uh, black actor that I was telling you about. And it was one of those, he's not going to be missed because he was black. Right. So that social issue does come up. So you got there's a lot of those undertones in films, and you you have when you're watching it, especially if you're rewatching it, you should be able to pick those up and realize, okay, so this was something that was happening in the '90s and may still obviously be relevant today. That's a very good point. And you know, Nadine Roger asked a question earlier that we kind of already answered, but we'll read it anyhow. Roger, what's your take on humor in black horror films? You know, I'll just recap very briefly what I said earlier. I think it's, I'm okay with it as long as, and we're going to do horror, let's do horror, horror today. I don't think we have to be the, the minstrel on stage anymore to make people laugh. We can do other things now and break, it, break the barriers into other storylines and circumstances that can give us some, some true identity and hopefully can maybe reveal some things that often aren't talked about from these communities. And I'm not just speaking from the black community. I'm talking about the Latinx community. I'm looking at the Asian community. I would love to see if we get some of that. We're getting a lot of that in some of the horror films and things that are coming out of there. I'd like to see more and and let's embrace it. I'd like to see more Indian culture horror films. You know, there, there are some, but I think we're, as again, younger generations embrace their, their identities we're going to start seeing these other sub-layers of horror that represent sub-communities or microcosms of cultural communities. Yeah, and you know, look, I'm going to give you, Roger, thank you for your question. Let me give you some examples of how you don't have to do horror with black horror, where you don't have to do comedy with black horror films, okay? Highly Berry starred in Gothica. There was nothing funny about that movie, and it was excellent and on point. I guess that was closer to thriller than horror. Mm-hmm. But let me throw another one at you. Prominent black actor, Wesley Snipes, Blade, mm-hmm. the Blade trilogy. That is horror. Maybe it had some quips here and there uh, as far as, like, one-liners, but that was not comedy. And you watch that knowing you're not getting a comedy film. So right. my point is you can very successfully do it. You do not need to have comedy in a horror film just for having just for the sake of having comedy or just for the sake of trying to pacify the type of horror mm. i got one for you nadine this one is coming from nicole it says it's nice to know the contributions of african descent people in horror billy and nadine what projects are you currently working on <laughs> we're always working on a project billy <laughs> <laughs> nicole, got a minute. <laughs> i'll let you go first Nicole, I've been working on this manuscript for this next short story collection and was about to break ground and still putting on standby for this documentary project that I'm working on as well. But we are working on both. And 2022 is going to bring the fruition fully of one of the two that I just mentioned. Um, And of course, what are we currently working on? This podcast. (laughs) So this series will not fade. And if you go to everydayfolksradio.com, you'll see our lineup set up for you for now, between now and the end of the calendar year. Yeah, and Nicole, as far as me, let's see. Uh, I I have a mystery slash horror book. I've been manuscript. I don't have a book. Manuscript that I've been working on for some time, and life happens and you don't get to it because of a bunch of other projects, and a lot of them are right. um, 
um, artistic project related that kind of drives us away. You know, Billy has uh, a few things going on, and then somebody comes like, hey, Billy, we really need you to do this, you Mm -hmm. know, and then the same thing happens with me. And so um, it's one of those things where we spread ourselves in different directions. We have this podcast, which we absolutely love. And then we, like Billy said, hopefully 2022, those fruitions that we have in mind and, and that we're working on can come through. But, Nicole, what you should do is just completely and utterly stay tuned to us. Follow us on Instagram. Keep listening to the show because we appreciate it. And I promise you, you will not be sorry. All right, Billy, I have a question. Ah, oh, Max, good friend of ours. Good friend of <laughs> ours, Max, always writes in a question. We appreciate it, Max. If you could be cast in any of the films mentioned on your flyer, which one would you choose and why? What a great question. That's a great question. I got to go look at the flyer. (laughs) So I would cast, you know what I do? I know one, Bones. I want to play Snoop Dogg because he came back. I thought that storyline was clever. He was murdered and he came back to avenge. And I thought that was very cool. And if I could play that even darker, it would be really, really cool. Because I think, you know, Snoop Dogg is so cool. Like, Snoop Dogg, he could be funny, he could be cool, he could be chill, he could be my uncle, you know? So I love all these diverse, this versatility he brings. But I feel that storyline, if I could take it and amp it a little more, I'd love to play that star role or, or a supporting role for that particular movie. What about you? So I would do Blackula, but like Arabula. You know, <laughs> instead of Blackula, Arabula, or Arab-Cubanula. <laughs> However, I can mix that in, though. Arabula sounds like a vegetable, but it does have a good ring to it. So I think that I would do that just because why not? I mean, folks, you, you guys listening don't know this, but I have, and Billy will tell you this because he sees me, uh, I have natural fangs. I have fangs that I did not alter. I have fangs that I was born with. I, I They're not prosthetic. So... I think Arabula. I'm going with Arabula for my choice. See, see Max, on. you did this, Max. Max, you are the fan of the year, okay? See what you bring out of us? Absolutely silliness. <laughs> but, Max, you could be a producer, so we are also being very That's serious. Right. So don't forget the talent here. We're here for you, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Adia, I got another one for you. This was from Carlos. Psychological thrillers are now being made by black directors and producers. What do you think about Get Out? I thought it was great. I thought it was a, a good film. You know, I know that, um, and I saw it way after it came out. Let me say that. I didn't see it immediately when it came out. I didn't see it till way after. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It was, it, I didn't know what to expect. Like when I watch a horror movie, if it's not a series I've seen before or anything, I'll know the premise more or less, but I don't know what to expect in the film. And so I thought it was very good. Um, I think a lot of films border, and Gothica falls into this category, psychological thriller, bordering horror. And I think that Get Out kind of does a good balance of that, but I think I see it leaning a little bit more towards horror than mm-hmm. I do a psychological thriller. But it does definitely have uh, components of both. What did you think, Billy? It was a, it was a great modern-day masterpiece. It received four nominations for major awards. And also, too, kudos for these simple titles. I mean, we sit all day trying to create titles for different things, right, Nadine? And he did two words, Get Out. 
<laughs> the one thing you needed to do in the entire freaking storyline, get out, right. get out. <laughs> and so I thought it was super cool, Carlos. And I also would have to say, I, I like the fact that it played in, like we said earlier, about some of the societal challenges that we see. There was an interracial couple being someone who is interracial coming into a community or a space where you are the minority. It, it just spoke to a lot of things that we see in our modern times that we're here in Miami, so I don't feel that way. But whenever sometimes I go to professional and convenings or opportunities in different uh, locations, states or countries, I'm always, I'm not afraid, but I'm also cognizant that I'm going with my identity as its representation because I can't hide it. And I thought that that played very nicely. It wasn't the focus of the story of the movie, but it played a role in some aspect and understanding the character. I love the fact that the tears and the pain, how how pain was was illustrated to uh-huh. the, the characters. I was I was impressed, and Peel it got my attention, and I want more. Yeah, yeah, well said. All right, I have a question here from. Uh, Michaela? Michaela asks, or states, the first Purge was good. It, re- it presents a black neighborhood on Staten Island as the point of entry of the Purge franchise. What do you make of using cultural demographics and their locations as a source of setting the fear in a horror film? Oh, that's a good question. So what we're looking at, the question is cultural demographics. Yeah, so like, like the hoods, like Placing it right. in the hood, right? right? So I would say this, Michaela, because these spaces are often represent underrepresented communities or spaces, as a result, it gives a voice for those spaces. And the, even if it's as dark as it may be in horror, it plays a role in the reality of sending this subliminal message about what really goes on there in real life. So I thought that's pretty cool. The, the unique thing that you say there, Michaela, about that first purge it's actually supposed to be a prequel to the Purge franchise that originally came out a good almost decade ago or plus. And so it's supposed to be like a prequel to it and where this actual black neighborhood gets the Purge Fest. And you have this on Staten Island and, and on Staten Island and you have this time to get off. But if you decide to remain there to play the game and you survive, you get money, right? So it played off of this idea like, okay, what would I do? How crazy will I go to get a whole heap of money, right? And also, if I'm broken, I don't have anything, and I'm living in a community that is not necessarily impoverished, but it's not always the best, what will I do? What risk will I take to make it to the next step? You know, would it mean taking and taking out my own brother or kin? So it definitely plays in these things that people do today, folks. People sell their souls to the devil all types of ways. <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. And I... So, let me see. I like the idea of the Purge. I think it's a good idea. It was a fresh idea for Purge when they originally came out the film. I'm not a huge fan of the franchise in general, mm-hmm. but I think the idea is actually, the idea that they came up with to put on film, I think was a fresh idea and that was pretty solid. I just don't necessarily like how, I, I'm just not a, a huge fan of the franchise. I could take it or leave it. I don't hate it, but I could take it or leave it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And in reference to the cultural demographics, we see that all the time. We actually saw that in American Horror Story when they were staying off in um, was it like a Cape Cod type uh, location. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we also saw that. So I think it definitely plays a role into it. We've spoken about this before in the show and many times where 
things in more rural areas are significantly give us significantly higher creep factor than in a major city. So I, I give credit to Purge because it, it does this in a major city, not mm-hmm. out in the, you know. In the mm, good point. Very good yep. point. Wow, that's very good. Got one for you, Nadim. Don said, asks, Peel has the appeal. <laughs> <laughs> People are shocked that he would produce such films, but I'm not. What do you think? Well, I don't know why people would be shocked. I guess the only shock factor would be, as we've spoken before, is that when you have somebody trying to switch from comedy to horror, um, people, people in general, viewers of different artistry, like putting their artists in a certain box. Okay, This happens with fine artists. If they start in one particular style and then they switch to another, this happens in film and this happens in music. And so what happens is when, when that artist starts doing something different that the audience does not expect, they're, not, they're a little bit more hesitant to see how it goes. But I think Peel did, has done it, like we were saying earlier, I think he's done, done a, a seamless job with this. And so I think that maybe at first people may be hesitant because like, hmm, you're known for comedy. And he's a great comedian, by the way. Uh, but I also think that at this point, I think he's more than proven his his worth in weight mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to to the horror industry. Yes, and I, I want to only add very briefly there is the fact that what he's done also is said to the world, okay, I'm known for what you think I know, what you know, I'm known for what you know I'm known for, but here's another dimension of me, and I want to show it to you. And by far, he's done a really good job with that. And I thank him for it. It's like one of those, and then also there's one of those names where it's like, oh, Peel. I'm telling you, it's like, you say his name, it's like saying Santa Claus in horror now, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have a question here from, um, hmm. all right, fine, why not? From Dead Body Driver, we'll take this question. (laughs) I know you're talking about films, but I hear that Octavia Butler's books are being adapted to movies. Have you read any of her works? I know she's the one that writes, like, I think she writes Dawn and Wild Seed or something like that, I believe. But I haven't heard of them adapting them to movies. So I'm not sure. Yeah, there there is. So I'm glad. This is an interesting question. So my understanding is that um, the lady who played, uh, what's her name? Viola Davis is actually Uh trying to produce, um, actually is going to produce a novel or one of the storylines into um, Amazon Prime. She's working to produce it. Hmm. I can't recall which one it is, but she's currently working on it. But I do want to say, actually, which I was just reading on Instagram just yesterday, and I looked it up now, because the name of her book, okay, so Octavia Butler died in 2006. She actually passed away. She had a heart attack going to the mailbox, going to her mailbox and fell and, pa- and passed away. Wow. And I, I loved her very much, studied her in college. I'll say this. She has a, her last book is called Fledging. And let me tell you, I think this is like a great movie because it's about this vampire species that actually needs humans. Yes, they need to feed, but they actually, sorry if I can describe it. I haven't, I remember this story because they, they republished the book with a beautiful cover today. But the story goes something to the effect that they want, they don't want to kill humans. They want to, they've been coexisting for years among humans. But what's happening is that 
they're actually lovers of humans, like they can inbreed with them. The challenge here is that there's another species of them that wants the humans for what vampires originally want them for. And now there's this battle between vampires that almost is, it's also speaks to this other idea too, like a new generation, new order. I want my way. And this is how it's going to be. And humans are chattel and we're going to kill them. So I thought the storyline is very different. And now as we look at what we've seen today, I think it'll be a lot easier to, to embrace today because the world's in a different space to understand the uniqueness of Octavia Butler. All right, we have another question here from, we have a few more. Let's see if we can get to it. Um, Francis says, what's your take on us and did you like it? I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I thought the acting was good. And I'll just say this and then turn it to Nadim. And Nadim, I said this last year, maybe in 2020, it did not make a good Haunted House for Halloween Horror Night. Because if you right. don't understand the movie, psychological thrillers are hard to translate into horror haunted house attractions unless you do it right. That's just my right. take. I don't think it was as good as Get Out. Agreed. I don't even think it was close. I think Get Out was significantly better. Um, to be mm. honest with you. I'm not I agree. Was, I don't think it was a horrible movie or anything like that. It's just that when you see Get Out and you realize what people did and you're like, oh man, this is phenomenal and you watch a follow-up movie of his, you're expecting something to be just as good. But I think especially when you're trying to measure it to the bar of Get Out, which I believe was very good, I, I think that the us fell just a little short. And, and also you had Lupita, who was playing the, the main role. She had yeah. played that slave as a supporting role in 12 Years a Slave. She yes. was really getting her breakout. I thought she did a superb job. I, she's one of oh, those yeah. actors that she cries so wonderfully that I immediately feel her pain. Like, wow. Like, she has a way of just making us feel engrossed with fear or pain or sorrow. So that worked very well, and I get why that worked in, but I agree with Nadim. I think it was, I thought it was okay, but I'm not rushing to see it again. Right, right. And Nadim, I got one for you. Do, okay. From Oscar asked, do you want to see, who? what do you want to see in the next generation of black film horror writers and directors? Just more of it. That's all. Yeah. More of it. I do like what Billy said earlier about having more of a supernatural element. I don't believe that that's been tapped into enough uh, from black filmmakers, not actors, black yeah. filmmakers. Uh, but I just, I want to see more of it. See, right now, we think of black horror films, we're thinking of Peel. I don't only want to think of Peel. The same way we don't only think of Wes Craven, Stephen King. I, I don't want to think of just one person. I want to think of a series of people and just have a better, a better series of movies that we can compare and say we can put this director of horror, uh, this black director of horror films up against this black director of horror films and actually compare which one we think does it better. So I just mm. want to see more of it. What about you, Billy? Agreed. I want to see more and I want to see different sub layers that we haven't seen before. For instance, right now, a lot more people of color, um, especially blacks, are beginning to travel more and leave their you know, spaces and, and not afraid to show it on Instagram and social media. But what would happen if one of those stories, you go on a trip and you never come back? And you never come back for maybe supernatural reasons, Right. Or, and I don't, it's easy to say you come back and it could be cliche, you come back with something in you. No, nothing like that. I want you to go and get lost totally. 
and, and, and take us to that next layer. I mean, it could even be going on a camping trip or visiting a tiny home and, and taking us. You see what I'm saying? Like playing all right, these right. things that we see today and, and having fun with it, because I think the younger generations are laughing at some of the things we do sometimes. They're like, oh, that's not even real. That can happen. No, let's make it seem like it could. <laughs> right. right. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, I have a question here from Todd. Should be able to get to it really quick. When the movie Bones came out with Snoop Dogg, I thought it was okay. But looking back on it, it was a cult classic. Do you think a remake is needed? Yes, I'm already going to be the star, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Todd, hello, are you asking me? I'm going to be at the casting tomorrow, and Adine's going to be my supporting actor, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, I, listen, if a remake comes out, I'll definitely watch it. I mean, I would. You know. Even if Snoop Dogg reprises his role. Oh, yeah. I'm good with it. I, I think Snoop Dogg is very entertaining, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I want to watch him. And see what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And we listen, before I before you do your closing, I just want to thank all of our fans for listening and tuning in with us and always sending in questions and showing us the love. And you keep that love going for the next two weeks until we you hear from us again. But thank you for all the love. You can follow us at Fright Talk Guys on Instagram. And shoot us an email at FrightTalkGuys at gmail.com as well. And, folks, we also want to add that we our next show is February 18th, and the subject we'll be covering on that time is titled Presidential Hauntings in the Spirit of mm-hmm. President's Day. So we're going to have some really good conversations about that as well. If you have a, 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 a favorite story or, 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 or sighting that you'd like to recall, shoot those to us in our social media or email channels. We'd love to hear more. And don't forget to go to everydayfolksradio.com. Go ahead and subscribe. Subscribe to our website. So that way you can stay in the latest so that whenever our site posts those flyers, you get them right in your inbox as well. And Spotify. Until the 18th. Oh, yeah. Spotify. Oh, oh, thank you, Nadine. Oh, my God. Yes, Spotify. Spotify, you know, we have, as Nadine would say, over 30 hours mm-hmm. of content to right. review. So you should go to Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. Folks, we're everywhere in the digital atmosphere. So check us out, please. Go and subscribe to our channel there as well so you can stay in the latest. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Until the 18th, stay safe and scary. <laughs>